Amen, amen. Welcome to Elementary Church. I'm Pastor Scott. I'm privileged to have the sermon a little bit higher up in the service today because we're going to let the kids come up and then do some baptisms a little bit for the best day ever. Some of you don't know, when I say those three words in succession, it's not a par at an unknown golf event with like 20 people in attendance. It's like, oh, yay, you got a par. Well done. I'm going to the next hole. Where's the, where's the drinks? No, when I say those three words in succession, this is like the last second shot to course a game seven. So, there we go. I was waiting for somebody to say that. Good cue, Mike. There's, um, this is like the, 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 the field goal in overtime where your favorite football team, I'm not saying any, win the national championship. <laughs> this is like the, the most momentous thing ever because it is. It's confessing. It's stating publicly that I'm willing to go forward and say Jesus is my Lord and Savior. So this is the best day ever. Now, you got to hold that just for about 22 minutes, okay? Parents, this is very interactive. Have your kids interact with us. We're going to go through and talk about this thing called Pentecost, which is the Spirit's descent. And this day is equal in many ways to Easter. This is equal to Easter. It, in timing-wise, in our, in our brains, we'll talk about this in a moment. We don't think about this as equal to Easter, but it is. And in many ways, and some of you may not like when I say this, this is more important than Christmas. We don't have presents, of course, but this, this holiday, this day, this anniversary is so important in our Christian lives because it celebrates the coming of the Holy Spirit. So this morning, we're going to do something called pneumatology, pneumatology, okay? As you leave, if you're new and want to welcome those who are here for those baptisms, you can say, hey, uh, today, this morning, I went to a place where we studied spirits, uh, a place called E3, while children sang to me, and then we baptized two people. I went to a cult, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a definition of a cult. I'm going to a place where all these weird things are happening out of the ordinary that a normal church maybe would. But we're going to talk about pneumatology and understand why this spirit and why this day is so essential and so important to our own faith. So I ask some questions that I'll try to answer kid-friendly in as fast time as I can because I know some of these kids are just ready to come praise God. So the first question is this, what is spirit? What is the spirit, this Holy Spirit? And this question, friends, is impossible for me to define. People who have longer than 20-some minutes, people who have thousands of years, way more degrees, wisest of all wise people cannot answer this question because it's impossible to define what the Holy Spirit is. It breaks down our Western brains because we can't control it. I can't hold it. I cannot describe it. Our Western brains want to understand what something is. You understand what a chair is. You understand what AC is. You understand what water is. Because in some senses, you can hold it. The spirit is unholdable. That's why there are so many depictions of this guy named Jesus and very few artist depictions of what we call Pentecost. As Matt goes through these just kind of in his own way, letting the spirit lead. Guys, friends, this, this Holy Spirit is literally God equal to God the Father and God the Son. This God the Spirit is the same substance of God the Father and the Son, but it's a different way in which we understand it, a different way of, of describing what God is. The best way I've ever heard it is it's like talking about God the Father is water, 
God the Son is ice, and God the Spirit is this water vapor that's in the air. You can't see that water vapor, right? But it's there. If it's not there, we don't have things called clouds and rain, right? And they're all equal H2O. They all are the same substance, but they're different versions of that. But it's not physical. This Holy Spirit cannot be held except for on this day where it becomes visible as tongues of fire, which in the ancient languages, we have no idea really what that truly means. They're trying to describe the indescribable. And it comes and transforms those initial disciples, those followers of Jesus, to do something that's still not really understood how or why it happens to this day. That gives us to a second question. Why doesn't the Western church celebrate this day more? Most of you came in thinking, oh, yay, it's Pentecost. I can't wait to worship. No, none of you come and think about Pentecost, really. You're, you may be here for baptisms. You may be here for dedications. You may be here for any number of reasons, just to see friends or, or just to, to celebrate. But none of you probably came for the idea of Pentecost. And I believe there's several reasons for that. Number one, it's unpredictable. It celebrates this thing called speaking in tongues. Some of us in this room have a lot of background with this idea of a church speaking in tongues, positive and negative, and that's okay. You are welcome here, and if you want to speak in tongues during while the E3 kids are singing and worship, awesome, awesome. And there's a whole other sermon series about speaking in tongues. But what's interesting is this. I want everybody just to talk out loud about any old thing you want to in three, two, one. Go. Now stop. Not very good at your cues, friends. Over here, my back was tuned. Do you think I'll just keep talking now? He let me go, and I'm just going to start talking to my neighbor. How many of you understood what anyone else in the room were saying? Maybe a couple. Maybe a couple of you were listening. What's interesting is that on Pentecost, Everyone understands each other perfectly clear. It's not that you only hear one disciple over another. It's that you have this ability to hear two voices speaking at once. And parents in the room are like, I do that all the time with multiple kids. Sometimes some of us in the room are saying, I'm doing that all the time because I just have many voices in my head. And God bless you too. You're with me, okay? Yeah? You got, a, you got these earworms going off. Sometimes it's country, sometimes it's rap. This idea of speaking in tongues, if you spoke all at the same time, you would be able to hear and understand what each and every person around the room is saying at the same time. That's the gift of the Spirit. It's not the ability to move your mouth. It's the ability to listen. And the ability to listen for God's word coming out of everyone's mouths. Secondly, we don't celebrate because it's a mysterious itinerary. The Spirit does not move to our whims and wilds. The Spirit moves in its own accord. It's not necessarily ordered in thought. The idea of the enlightenment of understanding and knowing things scientifically is not how the Spirit moves, which makes many of us very uncomfortable to talk about it from a church setting or in any other setting. We talked about this before, but it's not tangible. I can't hold the Holy Spirit. It's not something that I can describe. This renewal in this particular generation of non-tactile industry and thought by using computers and using code that we can't actually see, but it does something magical, and you're like, I don't know how the internet works. It just, poof, it works. I believe we'll allow this upcoming generation to have a better understanding, hopefully a better understanding, of aspects like the Holy Spirit. Lastly, by reorienting and transforming, 
it puts people second, this Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit is anti-celebrity, anti-politician, and anti-my-own-personal-bill-of-rights. That what I want is how the Holy Spirit should move. X, the Holy Spirit moves with people who are humble to the Spirit. And it often moves in the people who are the least likely to have the Spirit move through them. Look around at the kids in this room. The Spirit of God is more likely to move through them than it is through me, a learned pastor who thinks of things in sequential orders and by logic. The Spirit of God speaks through the tongues of these children as much as it does the most wise and learned person in the room. Third, why the Holy Spirit? Why not some other way? Can't there be some other way, God? Well, what the Spirit does is it comes inside of you, and you have God living inside of you, which is just terrifying, right? I mean, that's terrifying to have God inside of me. I don't, even what I ate for lunch yesterday was terrifying, but having God inside of me, that's really scary. See, the Holy Spirit coaches, inspires, teaches, guides, gives spiritual gifts, speaks in tongues, heals, unites, divides, moves, and reinforces. That's 11 things that came up right off the top of my bat. This is what the Holy Spirit does. The Spirit does not churn out cookie-cutter Christians. And this is a subtle jab at many denominational churches who want everyone to look exactly the same and sing the same song from the same hymnal. No. The Spirit moves where the Spirit wants to move, amen? What it does for one person or a group of people, it may not do for someone else. It cares little for your story, but cares only about transforming us all more into Jesus Christ, which means the Spirit may strategically make you 13th out of 13 people who need to know Jesus more and may cause you to not do your own happiness dance. In many ways, the Spirit is anti-American, and that's no jab at America. I love our country. But the Spirit moves as a never-ending echo, a never-stopping ripple to the work of Jesus' resurrection. Let's say that one more time. The Spirit moves on as a never-ending echo, a never-ending stopping ripple to the work of Jesus' resurrection. Yes, we celebrate Easter each and every day, but the Spirit is what is that echo of the work of Jesus Christ done on the cross so long ago. And what's fascinating is it's always been moving before that moment as it is right now, too. But for us, we literally can have God inside of us, dwelling in us, doing all the things making us more Christ-like. And there's nothing in you that you have done or ever will do that can limit the work the Spirit can do. Nothing you've done, are doing, or will do that can limit the work the Spirit can do in you. All you have to do is say, I submit to you, God, Jesus, and Spirit, breathe, work, and please move in me. See, the main point of this day, the anniversary of the Pentecost is this, that Pentecost signifies the Spirit's coming and empowering us to be followers of Jesus and to be more Christ-like. The Spirit has always been active, just like has Christ has always been, been. Christ will always be, Christ will become. But the Pentecost is the anniversary of knowing that this Spirit's work is active and it is still going. What's fascinating is that the true Holy Spirit work is easily identifiable. Friends, 
Point which way is north right now. I got to watch these people over here. For those online, I go, point which way is north right now, and they all go. More than almost all of you are, like, doing this. That is awesome, okay? Let's try it again. Ready? Which way is north? One, two, three, go. Some of you have no idea. Some of you are saying, I hope somebody next to me knows. Uh. What if I gave you a compass that was foolproof? It just showed you which way the north was. How many of you will be able to do it then? Yeah. The spirit isn't the compass. The spirit is the pole, the north pole. You know which way it's pointing because you don't control it. Now, some of you may point out that there's this weird scientific realization that the poles are going to flip someday and all society will crash in on itself. Let's not borrow trouble, okay? North is that way right now. And if you had a compass, it would point this way, and that allows you to know which way is south. Come on, everybody. You got this. Even my friends over here, if this way is north, that way is south. You know where the Spirit's moving because where the Spirit is moving, you know it's bringing people closer to Christ. This goes back to what we've been studying for two years now. It's this idea of a centered set versus a bounded set. Let me put that picture up real quick. This idea that, that if you know which way the Spirit is moving, it's going to point you towards Jesus. It's going to be doing things toward pointing people towards Jesus. And any sort of bounds we put around saying, well, you have to speak this language, or you have to say this creed, or you have to do these 10 things, or 12 things, or 97 things, out, no, no, no. Does it point towards Jesus? Spirit is then working. See, the spirit litmus is this. Does someone and sometimes something, does it move someone towards Jesus? That's when you know the spirit is working. The ability to interpret scripture without the spirit. Scripture, friends, is empty words in many ways. To know Jesus' goals, to defend the faith, to witness to a non-believer, to see God healing someone, to interpret tongues and to speak a heavenly word is only available through the power of the Holy Spirit when the Spirit works in you. Do you submit to the work of the Spirit just like those did at Pentecost? I'm not advocating the Spirit is above the Father or the Son, no. But this message is to, e is to illustrate the equality with the other two. And I haven't even gotten into much of what I'd like to share about the Holy Spirit, the femininity of the Holy Spirit, its role in spreading the faith, and how we often try to snuff it out in how we plan our worship services. Again, do you submit to the work of the Holy Spirit just like those did at Pentecost? It's awe-inspiring sight to look up and see the Spirit descend, to look around those where it indwells, to see the connection it brings beyond this world and into the heavenly realm. Friends, do you submit to the work of the Spirit. Today, two people are. Sitting front and center. Sitting front and center, Dolly and Jacob. They're going to come up and show visibly that they submit to this work of the Holy Spirit, just like those did at Pentecost long ago, by the act and the sacrament of baptism. The best day ever. The Spirit of God is inside both of you, moving. And I want to say, God bless you and good work for acknowledging this so early in both of your lives. Yes, it's early in your life. Yes, it's early in your life. 
Submit to the spirit to Jesus and God in all that you do, not for success, not for becoming a holy person, but in many ways, the first step towards becoming holy. Baptism is an outward sign of the individual saying their life is no longer theirs and they're willing to live their lives over to Jesus and to the work of the Holy Spirit. For those that have gone through baptism before, or for those that have chosen perhaps confirmation in their lives, this day reminds us of our commitments that we make, of our confessions that we make, and it inspires those who are in the infancy of their faith, no matter how old they may be. Baptism is a submission to the water and the expectation of the Spirit to anoint anew like a dove to the person being baptized. It signifies Jesus' death and the resurrection out of the water. It is no small thing. And it beautifully, simplistically is a right to affirm a person and they're wanting to be a part of this misfit family that the Spirit shows of infused people.